I think we thought we were victims. I think we thought we can't change people in general have just started to feel hopeless. And, and what this book does with the science and the word of God is it shows that we can. How do you find and keep hope alive? I will find hope in what Jesus Christ did for me. Do we believe? My hope is centered totally, completely in him. Do we trust? I have hope today because of what Jesus did on the cross. His hope doesn't change. Hope is triumph in our trial. So glad you are here today. I am super excited to talk to a very special guest, someone who has become one of my favorite authors. She does amazing podcasts. She's a speaker. She's a wife. She's a mama and an all-around fabulous soul. Welcome, Jenny Allen. Thank you for being here and talking today. Oh, thanks for having me. This is so fun. <laughs> well, we are so glad that you've taken some time to join us. It is just amazing to talk to you. I'm all fangirl because I love your book, Get Out of Your Head. It has helped me so much this year with the pandemic and just kind of the thoughts that I've been battling. And I really wanted to bring you on and have you kind of share a little bit about some of this great insight and then then point people to your book and your podcast so they can kind of keep digging in there, but really want um, to kind of just dig into some of this wisdom that you have in this book. So thank you mm -hmm. again for joining. You bet. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Well, your book, Get Out of Your Head, really changed the way my mind was working. I love what you said. You said, we, we, we always think about how we're feeling, but we mm. don't think about how we're thinking. But how we're yeah. thinking determines how we're feeling and right. determines so much of how our days and our, and our lives go. So that was a really profound thought. How did you come up with that nugget? Well, it actually came from my first Bible study that I wrote, which was called Stuck. And it was dealing with emotions. And I believe in that study and it has helped a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But I have seen over the years, because I've, I've dealt with different issues with women. I, I basically spent my entire life raising two girls and, um, and a lot of women all over the world discipling people. And so I've been noticing like, okay, what is it that makes people fall back into struggles over and over again? Because emotions aren't all bad, but they're very visceral. We always are pretty aware of how we're feeling or we can be quickly if we think about it. Thoughts, though, seem to be the driving factor. And when I looked at scripture, I actually saw a lot more um, commands around our minds and how we think than around our emotions. Not that he never said fear not or all of that, but, but Paul's very clear, like you get your mind under control. Like this is, this is language he uses a lot. In fact, he says the way we change in Romans, he says the way we transform is by the renewing of our mind. So don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So something about renewing our minds could change everything. And so that made me curious. I was like, okay, what else does scripture say? At the same time, my daughter wanted to be a neurologist and study the brain. So she was bringing home all of these articles. We were watching TED Talks together and everything I was reading and, and hearing about um, the brain reminded me of scripture. It wasn't in opposition to scripture. It actually really backed up scripture, which was we can take our thoughts captive. We can renew our minds. We can change our thoughts. It's a lot harder. If you're feeling sad today, Trisha, if you're feeling down and I say, stop being sad, 
Like that's not very helpful, <laughs> you know, no. never works, never works. But if I say, what are you thinking about? And we talk about that for a little while. And I'm like, what if instead, now not a lie, but a truth, like what if instead you focus on this, that's possible. That's therapy. That's, you know, the world is already like working towards these biblical principles. I just think the church has kind of neglected it and, and failed to realize how much this can affect everything about us. And I think we, we're not, we're, we're not quick to look at the science and to bring that in. And I think that's what I wanted to do was to show how much this, that the science backs up the scripture and the scripture backs up the science because God made our brains. It's not surprising that the scientists would find what God said was true in his word. But boy, that's such a faith builder to yeah. know that what God says plays out in scientists that don't even know that they're just confirming what God said. What a faith builder that is, that the God well, who created us created all of that. I think the reason this book has just struck such a nerve is I think we thought we were victims. I think we thought we can't change. We can't change our emotions. We can't change our um, behaviors. We can't change our relationships. I think people in general have just started to feel hopeless. And, and what this book does with the science and the word of God is it shows that we can. That Now, I'm not talking about curing mental illness necessarily, although I believe anyone that struggles with anxiety will be blessed by this. Like, I think this is something that can help. I'm not saying you, you won't need medicine or, or counseling or all of those gifts that I believe God has provided through, through smart people. I just am saying that this can change the way you think. And, and it's, it's a power, you know, God says, you know, to, in that same verse, it says, take every thought captive. He says, there's divine weapons that destroy strongholds. He used fighting language that we can change the way we think and, and that we don't have to dwell in all this negativity all the time. This is such an important topic right now because our thoughts are all over the place. Our feelings yeah. are all over the place. And just like you said, we feel helpless or I have felt helpless like a victim, like I'm awash on the sea of whatever happens with the pandemic, but also politics and, and relationships yeah. and isolation and all of those things. We just kind of feel like we're floating. But your book really does show how you can identify the thoughts and then replace them to be more Christ-like, to think Christ mm -hmm. thoughts. That was amazing to me. Your mind map, just, yeah. just speak on that a little bit because that was yeah. really eye-opening to me. It showed me that I seek pleasure more than mm. I seek wow. honoring God. And I was like, what? No, no, this is wrong. But yeah. So I actually got to do my first speaking event since COVID started um, this past weekend. It was a super small little gathering and there were men and women in the room. And it was so interesting because I had everybody fill out the mind map, which is basically just to start to take inventory of your thoughts. Right. Yes. And, and so everybody's doing that in front of me. And it's always it always blows my mind. First of all, all these older men sitting there with their pens and they don't stop writing. So I think we're very fascinated by what we think about. And I think everybody's a little bit surprised by what they think about because we don't take that inventory very often. And so the, the hope is we can't change until we know where we are, right? We've got to understand what it is the enemy is using to distract us, to discourage us, to, um, you know, cause us to be in bondage. So, so everybody 
you know, starts by writing a lot of different thoughts down. And you can do this today with a little piece of paper, or you can go to my website, JennyAllen.com. And I've got um, at the top, it's called an anxious thoughts guide. And it's got the mind map and several other exercises that you can download for free there. Um, and so if you write down, but you can do it with your journal. If you write down, you know, the last few thoughts you've been having today, the science tells us that anywhere from um, that people have anywhere from 9,000 to 60,000 thoughts every single day. So you're not going to write down all those tens of thousands of thoughts, but what you'll see is you'll start to see a theme. And, and what a lot of people say is they notice, gosh, I'm really worried. Um, it turns out that science also says 85% of our thoughts are negative and 95% of our thoughts are repetitive from the day before. So I thought and blow your brain. Like we are really, this is human. Like we are just in these negative places and we're on repeat. Like the devil doesn't even have to feed us anything new. Like we're just, you know, repeating the same toxic thoughts, fears, worries, um, you know, self-esteem issues, um, you know, d disappointments about relationships. We're, we're just play replaying that every single day in our minds. And sometimes it's little stuff, annoyances, aggravations. Um, but for a lot of people, they'll notice, wow, I'm, I'm really thinking more about my fears and worries than I am about my hopes and dreams and the Lord. So I think that inventory is just a great first step to kind of see what it is you're thinking about. Being honest is so important. In yeah. That. But, you know, the way God changes us is he shows us things with love. And so That's we right. can look at this and not be fearful and not condemn ourselves. This is where we are. But God is going to help us with love make the changes that we need to make. And I, oh, yeah. I, I hope that nobody feels – I don't think anybody ends up feeling guilty. I think they end up being mad and surprised. Like, hey, I don't want my brain hijacked by all this stuff, you know? Uh -huh. I don't think – I think I think it should feel empowering that, yes. that gosh, I, I see what I'm thinking about, and I really want to change it. Yes, yes, yes. That's what it did for me. It was so helpful. And then to do the daily thing and, and figure out the, the patterns, so, so helpful. And then you also talk about – spirals we talk you know spirals we have a spiral in our head and almost always if i am not aware of it i will spiral down and i'll start to tell myself worse things and i'll have the all or nothing thinking and it'll just pile one thing on the next one thing on the next until i'm just defeated but you mm. talk about making the choice to spiral up instead of down can you talk about that that's so helpful i think yeah. Yeah. So what, what the spiral is, is basically evidence and everybody knows what I'm about to say, but I, I think it's important to still say it, that, that our thoughts impact our emotions, our emotions impact our behaviors and our behaviors impact our relationships and our relationships impact our emotions and our emotions impact our <laughs> thoughts, you know, and it kind of just goes like that. And the problem with the thoughts is it's really the place that the scriptures say you can control this. So, so Paul says it several times, the Romans verse, he says, take every thought captive and second Corinthians, he says, think on these things and Philippians. So there's several places where Paul's pretty clear, Hey, get your mind under control. And so I see it as really hopeful that that's a place we can enter that spiral right we can't always it feels like sometimes we can't always control our relationships like our relationships you know will will 
they'll just kind of get the worst of us, right? A lot of our closest relationships, um, we can't always control our emotions. And I would even say that our behaviors are just direct um, reactions to our relationships and our emotions. So um, sometimes it feels like we can't even control our behaviors. So this is a really powerful place to enter and to realize that a big theme in the book is that we have a choice, that you have a choice, that you don't have to spiral. And the place that I'm suggesting, and I believe scripture is pretty clear on that we enter that spiral is through our thought life and we decide. And so the thought, you know, I got overwhelmed when I started this book because I read, take every thought captive while I'm reading the research and science that says there's 60,000 thoughts and I'm a 60,000 thought kind of girl, you know? And so I'm thinking I got to take 60,000 thoughts captive every day. Like this feels totally, completely impossible. So I, you know, what I realized was, okay, this has to be simpler. And, and it was, what if we just took one thought captive and that thought on a daily basis, you can do it today is I have a choice. I have a choice to worry. I have a choice to fear. I have a choice to be joyful. I have a choice to remember God and all he's done for me. I have a choice to spend time with him. I have a choice to be grateful. I, you know, and, and you start to interrupt every spiral you get in with those words. And, and I have to still do it right? This is going to be a practice I'll do for the rest of my life. Like just the fact that I wrote the book doesn't mean it made it easier on me. It just made me smarter about my sin. You know, I, I, I just knew I was, I, I, I could change it, but it was still hard to do it. So, but I do think that that, that one phrase has come to my mind so much when I start to typically feel sad, feel discouraged. I analyze what am I thinking about and what do I have a choice in? Lots of times, it's nothing. When my daughter left for college, she's my best friend, I had to cry and I had to grieve and I had to go through that, right? I didn't need to choose my way out of that. In fact, as an Enneagram 7 that really loves to have fun, I had to choose to grieve, right? Like that was the right choice for me. Um, so I think we all have, but I think what I had to do was to realize this is a choice that I'm going to make so that I'm healthy, so that I don't hide from pain. Um, you know, and sometimes we choose the hard emotion because that's the right emotion. Mm -hmm. I love it's so empowering to think that I have a choice. I almost want to put that on a sticky note and put it various places during my day. So I'm reminded of that. I have a choice how I think about this and how I react to that. So let's say I'm feeling anxious, which sadly I have to fight that a lot. Let's say I'm feeling that. And um, I remember I have a choice. What do I do then? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, so if you've already kind of taken inventory and you know, kind of, these are what the thoughts are and you realize, okay, this is the one thing that is really getting to me, right? This is the one thing that I'm very anxious about. Then also in that guide and in the book, there's a, there's a process, there's four squares that you can take it through. And you basically, um, you do, you find a theme and all those thoughts and worries and anxieties. Is it that you're worried about your kids? Is it that you feel like you don't have control? Is it that you're worried about finances? What is kind of the theme of your thoughts that's really causing a stronghold that you're, you're always thinking about? Then that thought, you take it to the Lord and you say, okay, God, I need you to show me what is true. And, and you open his word. I mean, y'all, if you're like, I don't know God's word. I don't even know where to start. Google is your friend. Put scriptures about, you know, fear. Scriptures about, you know, our hope in suffering. Put 
you know, whatever you can think of, put it in Google with scriptures right before it. And you'll see all these verses pop up. Then you, you, you go to a passage and you really sit in it and go, okay, Lord, what do you want to teach me from this passage and, and decide like, is this true? Like, am I, am I basing this fear? Am I basing this anxiety? Am I basing this worry on something that is true? Now, sometimes we are, you know, sometimes we have a kid that's rebelling and, and we're worried about something that is very real, but what scripture will do. And I love God for this, that he gave us so much of it because what scripture will do is it will give us hope beyond our temporary circumstance. And that is the key here is we have to have perspective. If we don't have perspective, we are like a two-year-old that had just got his, you know, candy bar taken. He's eaten too much of it. It's king size. And he ate too much of it. And he's throwing a fit. We have no perspective that that momentary suffering is, is causing good right now. I'm not saying that all suffering will cause good on this earth, but God promises that he will work all things together for good. So we do know that in heaven, we will look back and see that all that suffering was causing good. Even if we don't see it tomorrow or five years from now, or even 15 years from now, but that hope changes everything. And I, I cannot say that enough for anybody listening that isn't sure they believe in heaven, that isn't sure they believe in God, that isn't sure um, this is all true. Let me tell you, I get that. I've walked through that. You know that, Trisha, because you read about it. Like I've walked through that. That's actually what prompted this book. But that security changes every single minute of your life. Like that security is the stopping point, the entrance of a change. The the negative, a lot of the negative reviews I've gotten on Amazon are people that didn't know it was a Christian book and they got it and they're like, oh, this is about God, you know. And I'm like, sorry, I don't have another hope. Like all that science, all that science did was basically tell me to think about how great I am. Well. I'm not that great. I, I get mad at my kids. I lose my temper about all kinds of things. I'm impatient and, and unkind and selfish. Like I'm not that great. The only thing I have to boast in is that my God loves me and that he saved me and set me apart and that he has purposes for me. And he put his spirit in me and his spirit's changing me. My only hope is that storyline. My only hope is that my friend who had a massive stroke at 35 and still can't speak in the midst of a divorce, my only hope for her is to keep reminding her like heaven is coming and your life matters and you are making a difference in so many people's lives, even just today without speaking. You know, I, I only have that hope. Like I don't, I don't have like, Oh, and then your life's going to work out and you're going to be rich and happy and healthy. Like I don't know that. And I've seen many people that love God a lot that don't have that hope. So what scripture does is it lifts our head. It reminds us of our home. It reminds us of our hope. It reminds us that our God is with us in our difficulty and that changes everything. And I don't have another self-help answer for that. I'm like, I wish it were a bandaid that, that could make you feel better immediately. But honestly, God with you, there isn't a better cure for anything than that. Well, and what you've said so clearly in the book and the study guide is that you can train your mind to remember that. That's it's it. almost like you're, you're, it's like going to the gym and doing bicep curls by reminding yourself of this hope, by reminding yourself that God loves me, that God is going to take care of me, that I have an eternal hope. And these things that retrain your brain to go down a different path that is much more beneficial. And yes. I always am insecure when I read 
a self-help something that is more secular in nature and it's like yes you you're powerful and you are um informed and you're able and i'm thinking no 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 i'm not the insecurity comes because i know i'm not but i do know that god is so switching that is so powerful Um, yeah It feels like bad news at first. Like, hey, you're not so awesome. But it's actually like what our gut knows. Like we know it. Yeah, (laughs) we know the truth. We know we're not that great. So I I think it actually is freeing because you don't have to be. You don't have to be. And it's it's a great way. I like living this way. I feel much more content letting God be awesome and being a sinner and and yet loving him and watching him change me and and walking in that. You know, I think I think that's the the Christian life. It's you know, Pilgrim's progress. He he kept kind of stumbling off the road and God kept pulling him back. And, and that's how this goes. You know, it's, it's how every person in scripture did it. It's just, we do the best we can to just walk with God because we love him. And when we get it wrong, he, he covers it and he takes care of it. Well, Jenny, before, before I let you go, i just want to dig in a little bit on, um, the grid that you talked about. Cause I thought that was, that was just really helpful. I have my little study guide. You'd be so proud of me. I did. <laughs> I love it. But so let's just for our friend who's listening, just a quick little um, tutorial on this. So your first part of the grid says, grab the thought. What is it? And I'll just share what I had written on this particular morning. I said, I'm not a good enough mother. I'm failing. My kids are not getting what they need. And this was especially ramped up because of, you know, being at home all the time and virtual schooling. And I'm just not feeling like. I'm providing them what they need. And and then you say to diagnose the thought, is it true? And I put, I'm struggling here because I believe that it is true, but I know that God has put me in charge of them to be their mother. So therefore he said that I'm going to be good enough mother for them. You know what I mean? Like I was sort of waffling in between those two things. How do you figure something like that out? So grab the thought, and then diagnose the thought, is it true? Is there more than one answer? Is it true? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, just kind of like I was just saying, I mean, sometimes your kid yeah. is rebelling. It's like, yeah. sometimes it's like, yes, the circumstance is terrible, you know? Um, and, and I don't know how to control it, right? And then the hope comes from that place of scripture, right? It's yeah. not necessarily just an easy answer, but but is it true that, but is it true that we should obsess and worry? Do we really have control over our grown child or whatever it is? You know, I think that's where it it turns to, you know what, maybe I should let this go because it's not something I can control. Well, then you say, take it to God. So it's grab the thought, diagnose the thought, then take it to God. What does God say about it? And that morning I, I wrote, God gives me love. God gives me wisdom. He gives me compassion. He gives me the strength to be the mother my kids need. He's working through me. And then I was grabbing Bible verses. My power is made perfect in weakness. So Christ's power rests on me in my weakness. Mm -hmm. And is that kind of the way, just kind of to think through some Mm -hmm. of his promises? You did well. But the next one's the hard one. So what read number four? Number four is the hardest one. It's not, it's easy to write it, but are you going to do it? Make a choice. Am I going to believe God? And that's That's, where the rubber meets the road. 
Right. But without the first three, and I think that's where this book gets helpful is without doing the work of the first three of noticing our thoughts and diagnosing them and deciding, you know, we never put our thoughts on trial. We never ask, like, we just let them run wild. Add to it the fact that we live in a world where our inputs are so negative. Uh, if y'all haven't seen The Social Dilemma, it is, I believe it's on Netflix or somewhere, but but it is the most powerful visual of what is happening with our phones right now and the news and how it's changing us. And it's all based on fear that fear sells. And so everything that we're reading and seeing, like there is a atmosphere. Now it's not that there isn't some real fears. Are you kidding? Like we've got some real problems, but the sensational nature of it being told over and over again in our minds, that is a war. Like we've got to fight it with truth. And so it's not that we, we ignore the realities of the day. It's that we, if we're going to feed our minds so much negativity and so much fear, then we've got to feed our minds more. So hope and a future and what we're putting um, our faith in. So I think this is just a war and we've got to amp up the side that is, you know, giving us and feeding us truth and, and the word of God. I love the weapons that you talked about in the book, weapons of humility, weapons of trust. I mean, these aren't things we think of as weapons, but they are in this battle that we're talking about. So, so, so powerful. Well, Jenny, I tell you, you really helped me. I know you're helping our friends. So how can my friend who's listening right now hear more from you? Where can she find you and get your wisdom? Well, JennyAllen.com has the podcast. It has links to the book and other resources that that I've written. Um, If Gathering, if you've never heard of that, it is a bunch of women that are fighting this fight well together all over the world. It's a really special ministry that that I'm blessed to get to lead. So check that out too. It's ifgathering and then JennyAllen.com. And this amazing book, Get Out of Your Head. Love it. Love it. Love it. This was a study guide. I had both. So, yeah, <laughs> but awesome. Jenny, thank you for taking the time to talk to us about yeah. such an important issue. And I feel like we're getting stronger and we're stronger together. And when we lift yeah. each other up, it just, I think God smiles on it. So thank you so yeah. much for taking the time. Oh, thank you for having me.